0: Hello, this is David, Pastor Merritt's son-in-law. Today we'll be studying the Overview of Job. It's a continuation of the overview of the Old Testament, which is in its entirety on WestBankBibleChurch.com. You've often heard the phrase, the faith of Job, Well, you'll learn more about it here and and the accuracy of that statement. We're looking at Job, and because we're thinking about all the suffering that's going on in the world today, you know, between COVID-19 and uh, the children that you see sick on, you know, for instance, St. Jude's, uh, it's heartbreaking. The suffering that my mother-in-law, Pastor Merritt's wife, just went through, uh, with her cancer before passing a week ago and dedicating this lesson to, uh, to her uh, because much like Job, uh, through all of it and all the pain and anguish uh, she had an incredible faith and she was ready to go to heaven and be with the Lord. Uh, and Pastor Merritt himself has, has been in a great deal of pain, not just the emotional pain of losing his wife uh, but he's been quite ill uh, the last several weeks and we ask for your prayers for him during this time. But before we begin, as is customary, remember 1 John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. The Doctrine of Job. One, the narrative of Job and his experiences are history, not fiction as many over the years has contended. 2. This conclusion is required by the reference to Job elsewhere in the Bible. See Ezekiel 14:14 14, 14 through 20 and Jeremiah 5:11. Ezekiel 14:13 and 14:14. Son of man, if a country sins against me by being unfaithful, and I stretch out my hand against it to cut off its food supply, and send famine upon it and kill its men and their animals, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they could save only themselves by their righteousness, declares the Sovereign Lord. Ezekiel 14.19 and 14.20 Or if I send a plague into that land and pour out my wrath upon it through bloodshed, killing its men and their animals. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they could save neither the son nor daughter. They would save only themselves by their righteousness. Jeremiah 5.11 As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You would have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. 3. Job's homeland was somewhere to the east of Palestine, near the border of the desert. There are several indications that he lived in the patriarchal age in which we would today call Saudi Arabia. 4. Reason why most expositors believed Job lived just before or at least during the age of the patriarchs. The longevity of Job, the flourishing of true religion supported by special divine revelation before the Abrahamic covenant, certain early social and ethnic features such as the nomadic status of the Chaldeans, the patriarchal form of worship and sacrifice, landmarks mentioned, his name, Job, was a name prominent in the second millennium, B.C., but not found in the first millennium. Five, Wycliffe writes, the name Job occurs in the Berlin execration text from Egypt and the and in the Armana letters, as well as the Akkadian text from Mari and Alakah. Six, best information would seem to teach Moses learned about Job from his Midianite father-in-law during his stay in Midian. Job's trials were taught from year to year, family to family, over a significant period of time, and finally recorded in writing by Moses, even before he penned the first five books of the Old Testament. Got a break there for an incredibly important point. So they're saying Job was written before Genesis. Okay, very interesting. Seven. That Job was involved early on in the angelic conflict is made clear in the first and second chapters of Job. Job 1-1 through 1-3. In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. 7.1 Job lived in the east of Palestine in what is now western Saudi Arabia. Job's first test Job 1 6 through 122. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The Lord said it to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said unto Satan, Very well, that everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the eldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this... Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job's second test, verses 2-1 two ten. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, then he is in your hands, but she must spare his life." So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. His wife said to him, "'Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die.' He replied, "'You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble?' In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Point eight, materially prosperous and genuinely pious Job had continued for perhaps some 70 years in the manifest favor of God and men. Eight point one, then the sudden, well nigh total reversal of all his earthly circumstances introduced the great crisis that give Job's life special significance in the angelic conflict nine out of the agony and enigma of his sufferings arose the compliant of job job chapter three and a long formal discussion between him and his three philosophical friends job four through thirty one point ten the debate served to demonstrate the foolishness of the traditional wisdom of the world which led his wife and friends to false judgment that Job's sufferings were the consequence of a radical deflection from the protocol of God. 11. But it took the revelation of the voice of the Lord himself out of a whirlwind, a revelation prepared for by the ministry of his young servant Elihu, Job 32-37, to bring the anguished sufferer back to the peace of a humble and trusting devotion to his Lord as Job 38.1-42.6 discusses that. 11.1 A sample of the message from the young Elihu. Job 32.2 and 32.3 But Elihu became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends, because they condemned Job and had not helped him think straight. Job 32.6-32.12 So Elihu said, I am young in years, and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. Therefore I say, Listen to me. I too will tell you what I know. I waited while the three of you spoke. I listened to your reasoning while you were searching for words. Not one of you has proved Job wrong. None of you have answered his arguments. Job 32.20-22 20 through 22. I must speak and find relief. I must open my lips and reply. I will show partially to no one, nor will I flatter any man. For if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. Job 33.1 But now, Job, listen to my words, pay attention to everything I say. 33.3 3. My words come from an upright heart, my lips sincerely speak what I know. Thirty-three, five and six. Answer me then, if you can. Prepare yourself and confront me. I am just like you before God. I too have been taken from clay. Thirty-three, eight and nine. But you have said in my hearing. I heard the very words. I am pure and without sin. I am clean and free from guilt. Job thirty-three, twelve through twenty-one. Why do you complain to him that he answers none of man's words? For God does speak. Now one way, now another. Through man may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings. To turn man from wrongdoing and keep him from pride. To preserve his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword, or a man may be chastened on a bed of pain, with constant distress in his bones, so that his very being finds food repulsive, and his soul loathes the choicest meal. The flesh wastes away to nothing, and his bones, once hidden, now stick out. Job thirty-three twenty-six through thirty-one. He prays to God and finds favor with him. He sees God's face and shouts for joy. He is restored by God to his righteous state. Then he comes to men and says, I sinned and perverted what was right, but I did not get what I deserved. He redeemed my soul from going down to the pit, and I will live to enjoy the light. God does all these things to a man. Twice, even three times, to turn back his soul from the pit, that the light of life may shine on him. Pay attention, Job, and listen to me. Be silent, and I will speak. Job 34 4 through 34 6. Let us discern ourselves what is right. Let us learn together what is good. Job says, I am innocent but God denies me justice. Although I am right, I am considered a liar. Although I am guiltless, his arrow inflicts an incurable wound. 34, nine through 12. For he says, it profits a man's nothing when he tries to please God. So listen to me, you men of understanding, far be it from God to do evil. From the Almighty to do wrong. He repays a man for what he has done. He brings upon him what his conduct deserves. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. Job 34.9 through verse 33. For he says, It profits a man nothing when he tries to please God. So listen to me. You men of understanding, far be it from God to do evil, from the Almighty to do wrong. He repays a man for what he has done. He brings upon him what his conduct deserves. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. If it were his intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all mankind would perish together and man would return to dust. If you have understanding, hear this. Listen to what I say. Can he who hates justice govern? Will you condemn the just and mighty one? Is he not the one who says to kings, you are worthless, and to nobles, you are wicked, who shows no partiality to princes, and does not favor the rich over the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. They die in an instant, in the middle of the night. The people are shaken and they pass away. The mighty are removed without human hand. His eyes are on the ways of men. He sees their every step. There is no dark place, no deep shadow, where evildoers can hide. God has no need to examine men further. That they should come before him for judgment. Without inquiry he shatters the mighty and sets up others in their place. Because he takes note of their deeds he overthrows them in the night and they are crushed. He punishes them for their wickedness where everyone can see them. Because they turned from following him and had no regard for any of his ways. They caused the cry of the poor to come before him, so that he heard the cry of the needy. Suppose a man says to God, I am guilty but will offend no more. Teach me what I cannot see. If I have done wrong, I will not do so again. Should God then reward you on your terms? Job 35, verse 5 through 11. Look up at the heavens and see, Gaze at the clouds so high above you. If you sin, how does that affect him? If your sins are many, what does that do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give to him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects only a man like yourself, and your righteousness only the sons of men. Men cry out under a load of oppression. They plead for relief from the arm of the powerful. But no one says, Where is God my maker? Who gives songs in the night? Who teaches more to us than to the beast of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the air? Job 35, verse 16. So Job opens his mouth with empty talk. Without knowledge, he multiplies words. Job 36, 2. Bear with me a little longer, and I will show you that there is no more to be said in God's behalf. Job 36, verse 5 through verse 13. God is mighty, but does not despise men. He is mighty, and firm in his purpose. He does not keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their rights. He does not take his eyes off the righteous. He enthrones them with kings and exalts them forever. But if men are bound in chains, held fast by cords of affliction, he tells them what they have done, that they have sinned arrogantly. He makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their evil. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. The godless in heart harbor resentment. Even when he fetters them, they do not cry for help. Job 36 verse 15 through 17 But those who suffer he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction, to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. But now you are laden with the judgment due the wicked. Judgment and justice have taken hold of you. That concludes Summary of Job, Part 1 of 2. I thank you for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again for... The Overview of Job, Part 2. And you can find the entire summary of the Old Testament up on the website. I'm hopeful that uh, we'll see Pastor Merritt back in the first part of November. Uh, He needs to be on the mend a little more, uh, get some sleep and rest and get well. Please continue to pray for him during this time and, of course, all the time. But as we conclude, if there's any of you out there that don't have Christ as their Savior, please take the time to take advantage of the greatest value, the best bargain in the history of mankind. It's already been paid for you. It's free. All you have to do is accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Again, thank you and thank God for loaning us Tommy Ruth Merritt for 85 wonderful years.